Welcome to Business Unmuted, thanks to our sponsor Virtue Motors, one of the UK's largest motor retailers, representing some of the world's best manufacturers of cars, vans and motorcycles. Check out its website at virtuemotors.com. I'm Graham Robb and I've owned Recognition PR for 35 years. We have 75 clients in multiple sectors across the UK and between them they turn over around £6 billion and have 30,000 staff. So we're at the forefront of the business community and perfectly placed to discuss the economic climate. Today, for Business Unmuted in the studio, we have Ben Quaintrell, Founder and Managing Director at My Property Box in Darlington, which offers an end-to-end -end property service for landlords. It also has a state agency, and Ben invests in property himself. Down the line on the issue of property is Peter Mitchell from Angels Media, which publishes several online news magazines, including Property Investor Today. And moving away from property, we have Dash Tabor, founder and CEO of Tuba, a predictive analytics platform helping business leaders turn data into action. So let's start with the issues that we're facing in business this week in January 2023. And Peter Mitchell, first, you're publishing, Peter, you're very interested in property investments and you've got lots of titles to do with property. What do you think your readers feel about the start of the new year and the economic prospects? Well, it's, it's very interesting, Graeme. The, it, I would say it depends who you talk to. And the, even since the beginning of the year to now, there's been a slight shift, I think. Um, in general terms, running up to the new year, the, the forecasts for 2023 were very, very gloomy. Um, you know, there was one or two uh, commentators predicting a property crash. Um, and devastation and cost of living explosion and further interest rate rises and all of that sort of stuff. Whereas in actual fact, language is kind of more moderate now. People have expressed um, confidence in slightly more st uh, more stable economy. Um, I know that it's likely that come February, uh, we might get another a small base rate rise, but generally the feeling is that's already been factored into fixed rate mm. mortgages. So I see a kind of cautious confidence mm. um, in any drop in property prices to be perhaps more of an adjustment, a correction following the, uh, the post-pandemic boom. Um, so I think cautiously optimistic. I I, and Peter, I, I, I see that as well. I've told, told people about the number of people we act for in my business, and, and that's the reflective sentiment, I'd say, of the first two weeks of the year. A surprise to me. I wasn't thinking that's what it would be like over Christmas, but when we got back, that's, that's what we got. And we, you talked about um, uh, interest rates um, and the rate of growth for house prices it's only the rate of growth that's fallen, but house prices yes. are in fact still growing. The data was published uh, today, uh, Wednesday the 17th, and it showed that house price growth had dropped from 4.6% to 2%, but still growing. Still growing year on year. I mean, and we saw, we saw a drop in November, we saw a drop in December, but the drop in December was half the rate of the fall in mm. November. Mm. So, so I mean, overall, you're right year on year, but monthly we've had these little blips, mm. but that seems to be steadying off now. And I think sellers um, are confident enough not to drop asking prices. And the other thing to remember is, you know, th there is a regional difference um, 
overall in the property market. I mean, I think London has seen greater falls month to month than the northeast for example yeah and the, the, there have been regional differences in other markets as well just to, to expand out of property the unemployment rate is still quite high in the northeast but it's below five percent and um it's it's 3.7 percent nationally and 4.7 percent in the northeast but the fall <coughs> in unemployment in the northeast is the largest fall year on year that there has been in the country so it's it's down further it seems to be there is a bit of a leveling up and uh, I, I'm going to Ben this as well, but in property, uh, if you take London out of the equation, do you see that provincial towns are starting to become a little bit more uh, desirable than they were three or four years ago? Well, you first, Peter. Right, sorry. Um, I would say yes uh, for a number of factors. Immediately after the pandemic, a lot of people wanted to move out out of the capital. There was a flood of of, of people leaving, uh, particularly moving to the country or the coast, uh, not so much to industrial towns. Uh, that's kind of trailed off a little bit, but there's still this underlying trend, I think, uh, which is um, buoyed by uh, an increasing ability to work remotely. Mm. I think that has helped. So, um, you know, even in my own case, you know, I'm sitting in my own living room in Northumberland, but I work for an organization uh, based in Beckenham. So, <laughs> you know, and I'm not unique. There are, there are lots of people like me who work uh, in this absolutely. way. I was today. at a major pharmaceutical factory today talking to, uh, talking to the owners and a lot of their um, um, white collar staff working from home and going in uh, a couple of times a week. Dash, I see you're at home. You run a, a tech firm, uh, a tech business, uh, Tuba. Uh, what's your view on that particular point that Peter's just made? Yeah, so I think that what we've found is being able to be flexible for our employees is really important. Most of our employees do like working from home. Um, however, they also like having the engagement of a space where they can interact with people. So we use um, a co-working space as a place for us to gather and, and spend time, um, but it allows that hybrid that hybrid working. It also allows us to have some flexibility as to you know, where people work and where they need to be while also meeting their needs. Okay, well, we'll come back to you in a minute, Dash, because I'm desperately eager to hear about your innovations in your technology. But let's just continue the theme of property because we've got a property investor in the studio. Ben, you um, have now got to make your decisions. Uh, your colleagues making investments have to make their decisions based on yield and mm. also property values. Now, yeah. uh, if you look at um, in interest rates, the predictions now are that interest rates aren't going to peak at 5% mm -hmm. plus, but between 4 and 5%. Mm -hmm. And if you are to get, I looked uh, online at the best savings rate you could yeah. get, uh, which was just between 4 and 5%, depending yeah. on terms. If you had several hundred thousand pounds to spend on uh, a property now, is there still the appetite to put it in the property or in the bank? Um, absolutely. Um, before I come to that, I just want to mention, I completely agree with Peter, um, but there's two points that, because we often we, everyone um, refers to 2007 um, property crash, but it's, it is completely different because this time 
rent um, rents are, and demand is absolutely through the roof. And second of all, the banks are still lending, whereas in 2007 they stopped lending. Yes. As an agency and an investor, <clears throat> particularly in the northeast, demand for rent is through the roof. So sometimes when maybe um, people look at interest rates and they're thinking they're becoming higher, what they have forgotten it actually yields and, and rents are absolutely at highest rates they've ever been. So, you know, in terms of actual, like an example of that, is, you know, say you've got a property investment in the North East, a property, say, of 80,000, and you've had it on an interest-only mortgage, 75% loan-to-value, let's say, and you've had, like, a nice 2% interest rate, and you've been paying 80, 90 pounds a month, now it's 4%, and you're paying 180, 90 pounds a month, but that property is now renting out for 100 pounds more than it did previously. So it's actually all relative at the moment. But the main thing is demand is through the roof. We haven't got enough properties to let in the region. And as you know, Graham, which, which you're very much promote, is all the exciting things going in the Northeast. So yeah, I completely agree with Peter. All the, all the investors that are very experienced and know what they're doing are very um, you know, positive. And the interesting thing, you've noticed, and, and Peter runs national publications, that the geography of the investment in property is changing a bit, isn't it? The, the northeast and southern parts of Yorkshire were no-go areas mm -hmm. for property investors just yeah. a few years ago. Absolutely, yeah. So um, obviously the, the yields, one thing in the northeast is one of the yields are a lot higher than London and other areas. I think I think the North East now um, is one of the number one places to invest. We have Southern investment um, from all over the country coming up here, um, moving up here. Some of them are actually moving up. Clients of mine now have moved up to the North East to invest in Teesside, Tyneside, um, and it's yeah, it's, it's it's it really does feel. I know we've got this recession over us, but it really doesn't feel like that on the front line at the moment. There is also the question when we looked at the growth figures, that was an infinitesimal but nevertheless discernible growth in the economy when the last figures were published. Mm -hmm. If that growth is not revised down, mm -hmm. or, or even is revised up, it will mean that technically we don't enter recession. Mm -hmm. And yeah. is your feeling on the ground that that is a possibility? Um, I, I believe so. I mean, again, what, what Peter says, yeah, I think we've got, I think all the property sort of experts are saying we've got one more, maybe interest rate increase coming up, but everyone's predicting that will be it. Inflation's down this month. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you, you, I don't know why the media don't promote that, but it is down, which is good news. So hopefully, yeah, I agree. Maybe, maybe this recession isn't going to last as long as we think. Okay, we'll come back to property in a minute because it is all about uh, a lot of our economy is related to property. Maybe too much, that's a question for you both in a moment. Um, but so much ne is needed in the space of innovation. When the Prime Minister gave his speech at the beginning of this year talking about the economy and the prospects for growth, and he did say that one of his five pledges was growth in the economy, he said it would be delivered through innovation. Now, Dash, you are using uh, technology to innovate. How are you doing it and how can people use the service that you offer? Yeah, absolutely. So for, you know, over a decade, we, we've been talking about big data, big data, collect more data, do a lot of things with your data. But in fact, only about 1% of companies can actually use those tools that are out there. And a lot of companies still don't really understand what they can do with data and how that's going to drive their bottom line. So what we're doing is we're um, helping companies be able to use tools like machine learning or AI um, when they don't have enough data to to use those as they stand right now. Um, we're innovating by using physics-based methodologies as opposed to statistical-based methodologies. Um, and it's quite useful because even 
a, a small takeaway shop could start to understand what they need to do to drive higher margins and higher re or, and higher revenue um, where maybe they, they wouldn't have been enabled before. Now, the, you also fill the gaps in data intelligently. The, the machines start to make some assumptions. Give us an example of that. Yeah, so um, I think the best way to, to explain it is we actually deconstruct the data. So if you look, if you think about um, an area or a space or what you're trying to predict as, as a system, um, it's basically an ecosystem. Data all relates to each other in different ways. It needs to be connected in certain ways in order to find those, those insights that help you drive your business. And that can be quite hard to do, particularly don't, if you don't have any data science teams or data analyst teams. So what we do is we basically deconstruct that data and bring those, um, I like to call them impact factors together so that you can get a profile of your data that is actually, I understand what's going on and I also understand what changes I can make in order to run my operations better or um, order differently or you know whatever that might be um, so that people that can, can actually get insight when data doesn't have to be scary but sometimes it feels that way. Ben. You run a property lettings business. Mm -hmm. To what extent do you rely on data and what data sets are you calling for when you're talking to your team? Oh, data is key, like uh, Dash said, every, every form. So not only in like running the actual business itself, but actually from an investment point of view, and I've you know spoken to companies that do a lot of the data scraping, particularly from an investment point of view, you can scrape the data off um, portals like Rightmove. You can put in what yields you want. So 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 it's very it's very clever if you use it correctly, and it's becoming more and more yeah used by businesses in property and investors. And Dash, is that the kind of um a use of data that you're helping your clients to achieve? Yeah, our, to be honest, the data sources can come from all different places. So we're, we're pretty, I guess, data agnostic. Um, a lot of the things that, um, a lot of times you can scrape data or you can pull data from, you know, wherever you're collecting it from and it has gaps in it, it can be sparse. Um, and we, mm -hmm. we help with that data quality element of that. So, so yes, um, we're we're pretty open to, to to having discussions based on what 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 problems people are trying to solve. Now you're Yorkshire based, aren't you? Yes, Sheffield. Tell us about your team and how you've collated people together and recruiting people to get the expertise you need. Yeah, um so we we're a team of about four and a half, so we're quite small, but we can do a lot with what we have. And um, basically, when I started hiring, I'd spent a lot of time in South Yorkshire. And when I started hiring, I just found that we were getting the best the best talents out of the region. It's great because in Sheffield, you have the two universities um, and lots is going on in the startup um, ecospace. So, um, uh, yeah, Dash, you've, got this, you've got this lovely, compelling American accent. Why are you not doing this in Silicon Valley? Why are you in South Yorkshire near Sheffield doing this? Tell us about the virtues that you have of being where you are. I think, I mean, one, I think like South Yorkshire is just an absolutely wonderful place to do business. I think there's a lot of very honest um, people. I think that you have lots of good conversations and everybody really wants to grow the region, which makes it very compelling to be there. Um, I moved to the UK about 12 years ago. So while I haven't lost my accent, um, I'm very much at home here. Um, although, you know, my American, think, my American family thinks I'm British now. Brits think I'm 
I'm American, so I'm just kind of stuck in between both places, I guess. Well, my daughter's gone to live in America uh, and she's working in data in a bank. So uh, I think we've had a swap. Thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, by the way, if people are interested in getting in touch with you, uh, the website is Tuber, which is T-U-B-R dot tech. Yes, that's correct. That's great. Now, we'll just round up where we started, Peter. Um, Peter, you've got these magazines that feature a lot of investment, but there's a lot of innovation going on in property. I, I'm, full disclosure, I'm slightly involved in one of the development corporations uh, here in the northeast of England at the Redcar Steelworks site, the South Tees Development Corporation. But that is a mayoral development corporation. And the new uh, levelling up bill, which is currently going through Parliament, allows uh, mayors to create development corporations. And the mayor in Teesside has created three, Middlesbrough, Hartlepool and South Tees. There is one that Sadiq Khan has at the Olympic site. And there is one that uh, Andy Burnham is about to start in Manchester. The idea of a development corporation um, is something that has to gain some traction. There's some good examples here. Do you think that your magazines will be interested in telling uh, readers about it? And do you think that your readers maybe want to see innovation of that kind? Well, Graeme, you will remember as, as well as I do, the old development corporations um, uh, at, at Teesside UDC, you know, the, the Northern Northern Development Company, which became One North East. That's right. Um, and the Tyne and Weir Development Corporation as well. And the Tyne and Weir Development Corporation, indeed, is back, back as far as that. Uh, very much so. I, I mean, I think uh, if it, I mean, it depends upon their parameters. Depends how they're set up. Um, but if time, if the the four, four uh, councils in the north of our region agree to a single mayor, and uh, one one comes up on Tyneside. Um, we'd have Tyneside and Teesside with active development corporations. That can only be good for the northeast of England, surely. I think because so. it focuses the strategy and it, it gives um it also gives a focus for investment, um, where rewards returns will be higher. Um and it means we can concentrate on clusters, um uh, hopefully tech clusters and green industries and that sort of thing and look to the future and give this region uh, a more prosperous future. I would hope so. Well, that, that would be a good thing. And, 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 you know, it is going to be possible very soon to drive from Liverpool through Manchester, through West Yorkshire to York, then north to Teesside, through North Yorkshire to Teesside, through County Durham, all the way to Berwick. And every part of that journey, you will be covered by an elected mayor that has these abilities. That will be the case by this by May 24. Uh, that's quite a remarkable thing, a big change in devolution, really. But it, and Absolutely. property is at the heart of it because it's about land and place, isn't it? Yes, it is. And it's, you know, this is the geography that we live in. This is the geography that we love. And it's shaped by the places we work, the places we visit, the places we live. You know, it's fundamental to our existence. Um, and it, it's great to see some of the new developments, especially on Teesside uh, and coming up now in, in, in the Blythe area as well. Yeah. Uh, which and we just have to hope that the, of, the, of British Vault decision, the British Vault decision today could blight that area. But I suppose it is possible 
that the factory that was canned by British mm -hmm. Vault today could be used by another supplier because there's so much going on in offshore in Blythe <laughs> and other other things that are going on. It would be a great shame mm -hmm. to have an essential startup problem pollute everything and create contagion. That's true, and that ground is now being cleared, so it's ready for development. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, look, uh, Dash, Peter, Ben, thank you for coming in. Very positive and uh, and optimistic uh, point of view in this uh, this edition of Business Unmuted. And don't forget, you can catch us another week. We broadcast live on Wednesdays on my LinkedIn channel and on various podcast platforms uh, at the weekend. Do subscribe and follow. Thank you very much.